Welcome to the show with me, Dan, and my guest, uh, Master Aaron Eucalyptus Fordernandez the Great. How you doing? Uh, even better that you said it, my name in complete form. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. can I just say that that was not, that was Aaron who, who wanted me, I asked him, you know, as I ask all the guests, do you want me to say your full name or just, and, and apparently that is Aaron's full name, so that's beautiful. On the passport. <laughs> not sure about the birth certificate but it's definitely on the passport so so is great one of your them. your technically or like what's your surname is there uh, it's, uh, it's it's a tough one it's like a triple barrel so the is actually technically one of my last names it just happens to be the great so Fordernandez the great is your full surname yeah technically you... eucalyptus is my is my middle name <laughs> your middle name and master yeah, given I to guess. me by my great great grandfather you 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 have master why do you have master at the front of your name? Because I think well, master I mean, gets whole... gets cut off at like like when you hit 18 or something. I think it's 16. Um, but no, I decided to try and break the norm. You know, my grandfather, actually great-grandfather gave me the name because he was a cheese dealer. <laughs> okay. I love you know, which is where he gets his name from, Eucalyptus. Ah. Which, as you know, is a famous cheese. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, he was master of his craft, and I think that's where. Oh right. So know, so master is your is your actual name. It's more my title, I think. Right, you know, okay. in general. Uh, yeah, I'll just go with title. Well, beautiful. Okay, so now we've got that out of the way, and um, yeah. I'll just briefly say how I know you and why I wanted you on the podcast. Um, okay. So we met at uni. Um, we did. I think it was around. I think we we must have we would have met in first year, but I think uh, we were aware of each other's presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we sort of sensed each other even before yeah. I went to uni. I sensed there was something happening. Um, yeah, like a cool fart in a crowded room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's. You I mean, right. so is that? You how smell it. <laughs> so it's, it's here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean that's that's not how i describe it but that's poetically described um so the master <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so we we met in i think i think we got to know each other much more in second year um mm. where we made a an award-winning short film together um absolutely absolutely the paper boy which actually has got a story a great story that i always remember but we'll have to get to that later that you had <laughs> when you told someone that you just directed a film called the paper boy but we'll get into that yeah, a bit later probably, probably my crowning moment <laughs> <laughs> crowning nice pun there um <laughs> but uh yeah and then i think third year we lived um not too far from each other like a few doors down basically um mm. and then we we became closer with that um so yeah, and then ever since then we've sort of been close after uni. Um, so yeah, that's sort of how we how we know each other. Um, and then the reason I wanted you on the podcast is first of all for your amazing full name. Um, and most people do, Dan. Most people do. <laughs> Get in line. <laughs> but uh, also because uh, you are a filmmaker. Um, you yes. You've been doing filmmaking uh, consistently as a job ever since ever since uni, um, and which I have apart from a two year break. Um, <laughs> find yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
burn myself, Aaron. It was a complete waste of time. Uh, uh, well, it's all right. We we found you for you. Okay, thank you. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, so yeah, we we've both obviously did a filmmaking course and been involved in filmmaking, and uh, that's been our our main profession. So I thought mm-hmm. it'd be be interesting to to mainly hear hear your sort of experiences, but also just to share experiences and opinions and yeah and uh hopefully it'll be interesting to someone um apart from just us two um, but, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> but yeah so that's, that's otherwise what's the point then <laughs> what's the point we're Three just flagellating each other yeah just basically <laughs> tickling each other's balls this is all we're doing <laughs> if my grandma or auntie were listening up to that point i think then they've just turned it off um but yeah, I mean, you know, tickling of the balls might be, you know, something that will get people yeah. to listen to the podcast. Um, Satisfying the scrotum, you know, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, that's why I wanted you on, and uh, I guess I guess one place to start is where when did you start like becoming more interested? Or yeah, start to get an idea of, of of filmmaking and films in general. That that something this is something you you were a bit more interested in than just sort of uh, a normal sort of film watcher, I guess. Yeah, um, I think my my interest sort of like uh, grew at college. I think because I didn't really know what I wanted to do, so I kind of did a a college course called I think at the time it was like E Media, and then it was only a two year course, and then the second year it got changed to I Media. So it was a little. More keeping with the times with the iPhone and all that. Oh, um, sponsored by Apple. And uh, yeah, I think that's why it was. It could have just been in, um, I don't even know what it stands for. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just like, it, it was a course that basically covered all bases. So we did like web design, um, magazine design, layout, Photoshop, Illustrator, film, animation, like everything under the sun. Um, so, and yeah, so, what, I think just, so so why did you choose that to do at college was it just something because these were sort of they sounded sort of fun type thing or <laughs> yeah I just couldn't do anything else Dan <laughs> 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 um, no yeah I, I don't know I'm, do you know I don't actually really know I think I was quite I've always been quite into like I was really wanted to be an animator when I was younger <laughs> so like so I really enjoyed like watching the Simpsons and I used to draw um a lot I didn't and then I started my uncle managed to get me like a, I think a cracked version of um some software and I started animating on that very simple animation um, <laughs> almost like South Park style nice, nice um and uh yeah it was just kind of fun like creating stories and creating all these kind of characters and things like that they were never like there was never any depth to them <laughs> they were just uh they were just like things I I could or enjoyed drawing um, do you mean like character then, depth or uh, like literally? yeah character depth there was no like emotional depth to these characters <laughs> it was just very like you know t- what you see is a 2d example yeah <laughs> that's as much as, as as far as it goes so you were um, doing that before college uh yeah i was sort of doing that between like after after school i was like good at okay let's step back i was good at art and maths at school so i was basically rodney when I ca- I left, <laughs> I left, uh, I left school. So that was kind of all I had. And then when I went to, I wanted to do something with art, and because I, I didn't really, I didn't even have an English GCSE, so I had to do my English GCSE in college. Um, and that, yeah, I don't know actually. You know, it's like been quite a while. I'm not sure why I chose it. I just knew I was in 
you know, if I'm looking back on it, I could only just guess that I was that was kind of why mm. I wanted to do it. I just wanted to get an idea of, you know, I was I enjoyed drawing and animation, so I think that might have been why I went. Mm. Um, and I had to do a photography course actually, a photography project to get on board with this, and then actually like um, put them into Photoshop. Oh, okay. And edit edit them in you know in a somewhat of a creative way to show that I can use the basics of Photoshop and generally know how to take a <laughs> take a photo. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was uh, so. That was, was it, fun. Was it two, two years at college then? Was it? Yeah. So two years at Barnfield College in Luton. Nice. Big up. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so two years there, and then I met I met. A, a couple of friends there who actually kind of I don't know sort of influenced I guess a lot of music style as well that I was into um, I met a bunch of friends outside um, that sort of influenced what I wanted to do further on I kind of got a little bit more into film and there was a few of my friends are also doing film as well and they kind of had a few little music projects so we end up you know going to film people playing guitar in some park or something and then we'd edit it together and yeah, it just kind of, it, I don't know, it just sort of, it's not, there was never really like a pinpoint of like, this is what I want to do. It was just sort of, I think, an, a, an cumbersome amount of moments that led to. It sort of where, came quite naturally type thing, like one thing led to the yeah, other. Yeah, not necessarily naturally. I think it's like, you know, it's kind of taken a while to kind of be comfortable with what I'm doing. But it's uh, it was it was natural in the sense I was more comfortable in wanting to do that if that makes sense, yeah. rather than rather than doing something else um, that it seemed a little bit more worthwhile to focus my energy on than anything else. Right, okay. So <clears throat> were there any uh, like specific projects at college or anything that sort of you, you were, were really interested in or really sort of stood out? Well, if you want to actually date this back, I've just remembered this now that you've perked my, uh, my memory is. Um, <laughs> Me and my uh, bandmate Dan Collins, when we were younger, we used to, so our mums were good friends, our dads were good friends, and when we were probably of the age, sweet old age of nine, and he must have been about 11 or 12, so I think he's about two, three years older than me, um, we obviously, you know, when our parents would hang out, <laughs> we'd get out the, uh, we'd get out like our camcorder and like action figures and you know, swords and guns and things like that that we had and make little stop-start films on the on our camcorder. Um, a lot of them revolved around the name of, like, Taliban Attack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we'd, uh, I think, I, I, yeah, we played, like, news reporters. I think uh, Dan played a, a, a news reporter that looked like Hitler. Um, <laughs> proper, I think proper I play... satire type stuff then, really yeah, Oh, absolutely, brow. you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a real... Uh, Oh, what's his name? Uh, it's real kind of Charlie Brooker stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was so. I mean, I guess from there, that 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 particular project was probably you know, and that was a full that was a full length. Oh, we did a scene. We kind of incorporated a scene from Rush Hour as well. I don't. <laughs> that uh, yeah, uh, that was me being shot, obviously using ketchup. Nice. Um, and a, and we and we used a particular line from that film that we really liked um yeah so from there that was probably my first uh achievement in the film world nice, um, nice. yet to be yet to be released yeah yet to be released because <laughs> it's it's been lost <laughs> probably for the best to be what, fair. what but, are those um, great lost films that no one's ever going to get to see hopefully in like a hundred years time you know like 
like the uh, like the Egyptians being sort of you know unearthed yeah. over years, all all in its really well preserved casing. Beautiful, you know. Yeah. They'll they'll crown its shining moment upon some cinema in the future. Yeah. Um, then well, at uni we had to do quite a few projects, and I was <laughs> quite into sort of heavy metal slash. I don't really know how to describe them, but like pendulum, so kind of like drum and bass, I guess. I was kind of into that, not like heavy drum and bass, but pendulum, prodigy, all of that. So we and we had a project to do on uh, on a on an outbreak, I think it was, and we ended up choosing uh, swine flu because I think that was actually at the time right. swine flu was kind of hitting everywhere. This was at uni or college, was it? This was at college, right, right, yeah, yeah. So this is going. This is college. And uh, we did, there was the old hat factory in Luton that actually got burned down. We uh, used to, when we were kids, like run around in it. And actually, weirdly enough, my nan actually used to work there when it was sort of in operation. Right. But anyway, fast forward to obviously this particular project. We used that as our location and we started out with a doctor putting, uh, uh, giving sort of like a surgical procedure onto a patient who had swine flu and ends up biting the person um, because obviously the swine flu develops into some kind of zombie bacteria. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the whole thing leads on as this doctor who sort of tries to get out of uh, the sort of burnt down industrial hospital that we tried to fashion as uh, as a post-apocalyptic setting. Nice. Um, yeah, it was quite cool. I mean, the setting was obviously made for us because it's some, <laughs> some lucky guy burnt it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, so he helped us out there, um, and yeah. So, so that was. So was, was there was quite that. was there quite a lot of? Did you were you quite creative? You said you were good at art. So did you have quite a creative streak then when you were young? That, that sort of you 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 took to these things a bit more than maybe like sciences and other things. I think so. I mean, I, I don't know whether it's something to even like talk about from you know my kind of parents and things like that, but my dad obviously like he used to be in a band so he's very musical so he's always been quite creative in that sense my mum's always you know she's uh, like an amazing artist in herself um and she does uh she now she crafts things and makes things so she's there's always been that kind of uh i guess that creative push with the with the two of them as i've been growing up so even even if it was purposeful or not it's obviously somehow subconsciously uh, like you know rubbed off on me mm yeah so like when you when you picked your course what course did you pick for uni uh i think it was digital film and post-production technology right and was that why why was it that specific course was it was it to do with the animation Uh, or yeah i think so i think at the time i didn't i think at the time i really wanted to work on like big film you know like kind of hollywood feature film kind of thing mm. um and because I, I didn't really know i mean I've, I've always been into it but i'm i'm such a, i get so distracted and i'm so easily uh sort of not focused i don't mm. know if that's the best way to say it but i you know i'll do some research and then i'll be like all right now i'm I'm, just, I'm done with this research and it'll yeah. be sort of surface level stuff so that in it so my understanding of the film industry then was like oh if i go to uni and i do this course i'm gonna be taught how to use all these amazing bits of equipment and things like that so what i obviously didn't realize at the time was that it was a very all-encompassing uh course quite like my college course 
um, a little bit more narrowed down to like editing, but there was like 3D animation, some other animation. And as I was going through it, I kind of found myself being more comfortable, more creative and actually enjoying editing and filming more. So I think on my second year, I decided to drop all of the um, 3D animation courses just because one I just hadn't I hadn't practiced it enough slash had enough education on it so it was quite jumping in at the deep end because obviously the majority of the course was filming and editing but there was obviously the addition of animation which I think the uni assumed I had some back knowledge of right yeah um, but, I, but I didn't yeah I had that I lied I, well I uh, so did you change your course or did you just you're still on the same course yeah. but you just changed some some of the yeah I just I didn't change it I stuck I stuck with it I think it sort of changed its um what's the word correct not curriculum it's modules I think I don't know yeah. as to I think yeah over over the course of a few years but yeah what what, what, what course did you take I did film production technology um, so it was very right. much just just films i i never had an interest in sort of uh animation to do like i always loved animated <clears> films it's sort of the type of films that i always say that i love watching and i have such admiration for but i'd never want to make is, is animation um mm. it just i don't even know like how you can even think about directing something like that um uh yeah just for purely from a sort of directing point of view because it's just it's it must be such a strange process like compared to like directing actors and you know setting up for scenes and all that sort of stuff where you yeah i guess it just it just seems really um yeah just really really difficult i guess um yeah so but uh, i had a similar experience with like uh at uni in terms of uh sort of the course expecting me to be at a certain level and it was in one module and it was, I think it was like the first lecture we had or, um, yeah, it was, yeah, one of the, definitely one of the first modules we did in first year. Um, and it was, and it was just a Photoshop one. It was just like uh, building like cityscapes and, or like taking a picture of a cityscape and then making it like apocalyptic and stuff. And yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. And I was just sitting in the lecture and. I don't know. I mean, obviously, in my head, it just seemed like everyone was like nodding along, going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, easy, easy." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my!" Like I had never used Photoshop in my life. Never. Oh, I did. I don't think I even knew what Photoshop was. Um, so yeah, I was just like, "Oh god!" And I had a bit of a panic moment. Um, but I uh, have a feeling that was a little later. Well, maybe it wasn't because obviously we've got to choose our courses a little. A little bit more uh, we were able to focus our, our energy on the courses we wanted to do but i could you not remember luke's one so luke is like one of our friends from uni who was just like he's just like one of those guys that are good at everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't remember his no oh uh, his was just i did he took a photo i think when he went to i think chicago or something and he like oh man it was like seeing a film it was like i don't know have like some kind of like screen grab of like a michael mann film right so i'm glad i didn't <laughs> see that because yeah then that would have made me feel even worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, to be fair, I think that was the only module where I was like, I'm really out of my debt. I remember the exact moment sitting in the in the lecture hall thinking, what have I done? Like, I haven't, I haven't, I'm not ready for this type thing. Um, mm. I mean, we had stuff later on, like I think it was in third year, 
or second year which was like after effects which was like but that was all step by step like we had literal yeah. like tutorials which tells that you could you know a 12 year old could have done it you know it's, it was very much like just click this button and do that and it was really easy um but uh yeah yeah so i mean what was your feelings going into uni was it just again was it just sort of falling into it or did you feel like it might progress your career or was it just you wanted to go to uni for the fun of it like what were some of the main reasons you you wanted to just go to uni uh well i kind of there was a point where i had to because i took like two years out trying to work out what i wanted to do and then my dad moved to mexico okay and my mum and dad basically came together and said look if you're not going to do anything you're going to go and live with your dad um so i was like all right i'll go to uni and you <laughs> didn't have didn't a sombrero at the time so i didn't know no. no i didn't all my name fordinandez you yeah. know so yeah <laughs> you know, that sort of spawned from uh from a mexican alter alterate altercation nice um, nice yeah so yeah, don't, don't talk about that <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it was basically trying to escape mexico in, in essence well why you, went you know to saying that I, I at the time yeah i guess but like i'm kind of like why the did i do that because yeah. that would have been a pretty pretty cool uh life to have to have had no i think it's just I, I did know that i wanted to do something i wanted i did want to go and do something in film but mm. i just i think at the time when i was i was kind of working and i was just like a bit of an ass and i wanted to do stuff with film because i quite enjoyed what I came out with in college. Oh, oh, and actually, sorry, me and my friend set up our own business, which was quite funny. Um, I was actually started doing web design for a spell. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, which, yeah, I kind of, wow, well, I completely forgot about that. So, yeah, when we kind of came out of uni, uh, college, my friend, who I was, like, really good friends with at the time, we, well, he set up a business with our old college tutor, actually, um, who was very weird. Um, and... He then invited me along to kind of help out because we would, we'd hang out all the time and he would tell me about what's going on. I was like, man, I need a job. And he was like, oh, come and work for this. Like, you know, we're getting, I'm getting paid. We're getting projects in. I'll teach you how to code. So he taught me how, like, the basics of code, which at the time, you know, even just trying to learn it now, it's like, how the hell do I have the patience? It was obviously at, like, the kind of the era that you are definitely a bit of a sponge for mm. information because mm. I was I picked it up quite easily and quite well. Nice. Um, not to, like, any kind of standard, but I was able to, you know, create a, a website and just do the basic yeah um and then we started doing you know i tried to kind of go right i want to do more film within this company so like you know you do the website stuff and i'll like film you know promos and things like that for companies and then that sort of fell through we actually had a bit of a falling out um and yeah we kind of and then i think for the next year i was just sort of bimbling around getting like the odd temporary job here and there not really focusing on anything i think that's when it all kind of you know it was over time that you know they kind of came together and went like this is you've been basically living at home for way too long now um and uh you need to do something and i was kind of i wasn't not driven i was just i think i just didn't i was just more susceptible to wanting to have fun mm, and yeah you know which, is which kind of yeah um still am to some extent but yeah I'm not allowed back home anymore, so there's a <laughs> small little factor of rent I need to figure. <laughs> Damn responsibilities. Ah, guy, no, man. <laughs> so you it's a thing they don't teach you in school. No, no. Responsibility. They teach you pi, Pythagoras. <laughs> what the hell is a protractor? 
<laughs> they teach you about they pie. They don't go, hey, think, they, they think about these responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> like how to cook a pie. That's under. a responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. I need to feed myself <laughs> and potentially my four kids that I now have because you didn't teach me about protection. <laughs> oh, well, you did. I just weren't listening. <laughs> so you, I mean, looking back on it, um, so do you do you feel like what was what were some of the your sort of feelings going into uni at the start? Like, what were you? Was it was, was it quite, quite nervous? Yeah. Yeah, man, it was quite because um, it was like sort of the first time I'd one living on my own. So I think I got to I went when I was so I think everyone went when they were like seventeen, eighteen to uni, and I went when I was nineteen, turning twenty. So I was like two years behind a lot of people, especially like my friends that may have gone to uni and things like that. Mm. Um, so it was quite nerve nerve wracking, and obviously like yeah, moving away from home and things like that. I think it's kind of, you know natural for you know anyone moving away for the first time. Um, but like but yeah, with, with the mean, course and the filmmaking specifically, like the course, you... the course, I, th- I I felt I didn't feel so nervous. I was more nervous about just like generally having to start all over again in a way, mm, uh, in terms yeah. of you know like social side of things. But in terms of the course, I was I was I was really excited for the course because I I don't know there was I get I do get quite excited with projects and things like that. I do like and I think that's I haven't really been any different throughout the years I've been alive. Um, yeah, so I think I, I kind of, I was really into it. I was nervous about coming just because it was like, you know, far away and this, that and the other. But in terms of the course, and I was really, I was really excited, nice. which is probably what kind of kept me going, you know, while I was there. Because I think it was, it, you know, there were times when it was like, man, I kind of want to come home. This is really weird. But the course and, you know, and then obviously over time, the people I met, uh, excluding you, um, was... <laughs> 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 no um yeah when uh you know it kind of made it made everything a little bit easier and just more enjoyable when you're especially when you're there with like-minded people mm. um you know going to uni like my so my cousin's just gone to uni and it was apparently quite a chore to, well not a chore but like he just didn't want to go he was very adamant that he's like i've made all my friends my friends are here i don't want to go blah 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 um and you know he wanted to do stuff with photography but there was a slight lack of confidence in how it's going about becoming a photographer for all these you know the things he wants to do and um, and we you know it was kind of saying to us like even just talking to him just to him you know from my point of view it was like I didn't, I didn't from how I look back at it I don't see uni as necessarily like you know the way to go about doing things but it definitely it just gave you gives you like tons of confidence in what you're doing and kind of shows you what's actually going on in the industry Right. You know, rather than you know or someone actually if you, having someone tell you what's going on opposed to you having to look up what's going on you know you've got someone who knows what's going on in the industry and can kind of like give you like little bites of it at a time in like a really like progressive uh way whereas you know if i'm if i didn't go to uni and tr- try to look it up all on the internet i'd be bombarded with all kinds of things that i probably one don't need to know two might be outdated uh three you know just might be a bit of a waste of time but do you think it's more things. it's more instead of the internet actually sort of going in and getting experience i mean do you think uh, obviously we don't regret but do you think you you it's as good an option to go to uni to to study film than to go and actually just work in the industry for three three years or like to oh, actually... man, absolutely i think i think if you can that's that was my main thing here was i think with my you know sort of my cousin um story here was that there didn't seem to be confidence or a passion to kind of go and try and get in there right 
So it was for me, when I was thinking of it like that, it was like, well, I think uni is going to be like a good opportunity or like, you know, if you can get yourself into like kind of work placement or something like that. But at the time, uni was like the only option. So it was like, that's the only thing that I think is going to one, take you out of your comfort zone, which you're kind of in. And two, going to kind of show you, you know, have people around you telling you what's going on and how to do these things. You know, if you've got that confidence and and know-how as well, because that was the one thing I lacked. I just didn't know how to go about doing things. Mm. um or kind of you know making contacts is like how how do i go about i remember wanting to do um uh wedding videography mm. and the way i did it i just went down to a massive venue in luton and just handed out my business card and said i do wedding photography videography and they were like who are you i would just take it like you know it was it, you can kind of take a bit of a bit of a punt with it but i think you know if you if if you're naturally gifted in that kind of way then brilliant but if you know if there's help being offered along the way, I mean, looking back at it now, I'd say definitely take it. So you think actually the 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 confidence is the main one of the main things then um, that you confidence, like yeah, massively. You. I think I think yeah, confidence. I mean, yeah, I think that for me is like a massive, if not a heavy part of what people do. I mean, a lot of people, you know, even in their adult years, still don't know what they're doing, but they have the confidence to pull it off, and you know, at least have the confidence to even admit when they're wrong. Or have the confidence to be able to bring it round to being the right thing if they, you know, fail or mess up or something. So yeah, I think, and especially yeah, when you're when you're at uni and you're with like-minded people doing the thing you want to do. Like for us with film, we kind of bounced off each other. We gave each other confidence in doing in you know expressing our own ideas. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, I think it plays a big part and just yeah. living alone as well. Well, that's an interesting thing because I think. You know, I, me looking back on it, even though I'm really grateful for all my experiences at uni, I do feel like there's a part of me that is like these sort of more artistic and creative professions. You're better off just just trying to do industry stuff and trying to get actual hands-on experience. Um, yeah. I feel like that is personally i feel like that's more beneficial um over the over those three years like i can just imagine three years actually being in the industry i mean it guess, i guess how you, it depends on how you how you judge it you know because like you say mm. if you end up becoming a more confident person from going to uni or you end up you know meeting friends who end up being you know your closest friends for life or or whatever it is then then it's difficult but i think in terms of just pure career progression mm. I feel like three years in the industry would be serving a creative person a lot better you know whether it's music or you know art or or, or film or whatever um absolutely i think that's i think it does also then go down to a person by person basis so mm. for instance you know as much as it probably would agreed like you know if you're you know if you can get out of school even you know skip college and go straight straightforward amazing if you've got that kind of link or connection or or know-how um mm. but if like for, you know for me even you know i didn't i had no idea how to do it so it was almost like i could you know those three years probably for me wouldn't would have been wasted had i not gone to uni because i wouldn't have known and mm. may have not still known you know i'd have or i'd have trailed it would have taken me longer to understand and be confident enough to kind of go out to all these industry, um, you know, brands and things, and yeah. that you want to work with with the work you have now. That's that's for me. So I think it, yeah, that's I cool. completely agree. Like three years, you know, in the industry, if you can get it, 
but then yeah i think it does boil down to you know that individual who is doing that if they're not confident or yeah have the skill set you know to kind of pull it off it's almost like smaller then, uh, stepping stones isn't it as opposed to trying yeah, to make absolutely. one big step and trying to well, i guess confidence wise trying to take a huge step which which you don't feel like you can ever do and then you end up just giving up actually doing mm. the stepping stones of uni might ha- help you get somewhere that you wouldn't have done otherwise so yeah i mean that's that's an interesting point in terms of like the more filmmaking side of it what were some of the key things that you took from uni like some of the 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 things maybe you didn't yeah you just didn't understand before like more more sort of overview stuff um obviously you um, learned lots I, of technical stuff like what shutter yeah. speed is and all that sort of thing but but like was there any areas of filmmaking that you really appreciate more any uh, types yeah of i mean scratching the surface it was obviously the and like you say the technical things whether access to cameras access to all the equipment that you get which mm. is something and again you know if you haven't got that in tap into the industry when you don't go to uni it's gonna be something you might lack mm. but um yeah, in terms of what I, th- I think is one is like, you know, actually being able to work together as a team, work out each other's strengths. You know, for instance, us, when we work on a project, we know what our strengths are. And we actually, and it's almost quite, quite good, especially for when you do establish those or kind of, you know, come to understand them is because then you kind of work better as a, as a team rather than someone trying to do everything, another person trying to do everything. You know, you kind of, that's for me, what I took away was actually trying to home in on your personal strengths. Mm um and also just you know being just understanding the levels of creativity as well and how it can be interpreted and again that is something that comes with a slight there's a slight air of confidence that i think you have but you know all these different projects and ideas that you see it's just they're so it's amazing to see so many people come together and kind of put their ideas forward without any hesitation as to how they'll be received mm. um i don't know if you remember that director that came in that tom Gein. Oh, was like, that he, he always did... sticks? Yeah, what was that again? He he always, he just sticks in my mind because he had those three short films. You know, the one where the woman with the extended finger yes. was caged up. Yeah, all these kind of short little, very strange kind films, of weren't just they? very strange films, but had a really kind of like sinister reveal. You know, there was yeah. a guy that uh, you know wanders into a, a pornographic shop and buys a blow up doll, goes home, has sex with it. He almost cries and then washes it and then returns it. It was like just a simple little idea like that. It's just so like, you know, messed up all these things. And it's weird. Like I haven't actually seen that film since uni and it's, I still remember it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I th- yeah. I think they're like, uh, they're, they're the sort of things that I think you can kind of take away. It's just the understanding of other people's uh, imagination and creativity. And it kind of inspires you, you know, like, you know, sometimes yeah. you don't know what you're doing with your project and just watching other people work, you know, especially when you are working with a team, just really kind of gets like the motor going and, you know. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point about that Tom Gein guy. Like that had a big effect on me as well. It was, it's just, it was so strange. I think every time someone sort of pushes the, the boundaries or, or not even pushes the boundaries, does something that's very unique to them mm. and very, very much like, well, well, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what's happening right now. Like this, even the style and the feel and the music is just, it just feels really off. Um, Yeah. And it's great to watch that sort of stuff. I think even, you know, uh, as a, 
as a, uh, a filmmaker, if you've been doing it for years and years, I think it's a really good practice to try and every now and again watch a film that you think is going to be so just strange not awful because you can get really awful films that are just really generic still usually the most um mm. gen- generic films are the most awful yeah but, but have you got a film that you you would suggest watching in that kind of nature what that's really strange that's strange and has you know might be slightly out of your regular viewing um uh sorry to butt in there no 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 i'm just trying to i mean the only thing is i watched parasite recently um oh yeah and that was uh, that's just jumps into my mind because it it is a strange film but it's not strange enough it is very it's very likable and it's very entertaining um Mm. i did actually there was an example at uni i watched this was the i think the only real film i've ever watched apart from when i was maybe a kid where I I just decided to go into the uni library, we had loads of films there, and pick up a film and not know anything about it. Like pick a film that I just looked, basically judged the book by its cover type thing, just looked at it, (laughs) didn't even read the back to to see what it was about, just looked at it and go, I'm just going to give that a go. And that was a film called Walkabout, um, which is by a guy called Nicholas uh rogue i think r-o-e-g i think i may be getting that wrong i might be getting his first name wrong and his surname wrong um <laughs> but the film is called walkabout and i'd never seen i've, I've since have uh had more of an understanding of what his sort of films are like um and he's made some some really fantastic films um but i had literally no idea and that was really strange film it it it, it was so ungeneric and you just didn't have a clue where the story was going and it was really arty and but it was enjoyable and it was such a it was such a good experience because i was just like wow i you know i i just had this experience that i've never really had um because i Mm. i'm a sucker for trailers i always tell myself don't watch the trailer don't read reviews don't do all this don't prep for seeing a film just just going cold going cold (laughs) but i never do because I just, yeah, I just get too, too excited. Um, so yeah, Walkabout was one which really was like a really interesting experience. Uh, there was another one which I knew a bit more about. Uh, I remember I watched it at uni. It was a Dogme film. So Dogme is sort of like these rules come up by, um, I think it was Lars von Trier, um, mm. that you, this Dogme movement, I think it was, um, where you have to there's no music you're allowed to add uh, i think you're not allowed to edit it you have to sort of film it in in order and then sort of edit it yeah. in camera it's like a bit of a stop start yeah yeah, it's like yeah. A, like you used to do as a teenager i guess where you just like yeah literally i mean last one Dre, your heart out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> coming in from such a young age yeah <laughs> i think you're not allowed to use any lighting it's just basically got to be as raw as possible yeah um and there's a film, oh, I can't even remember the name now. Um, it's a road movie. Uh, oh, that's really annoying. But yeah, it was a, it was part of that dogma movement and that was very <laughs> strange. So yeah, what about you? Was there any films that really sort of shook you up and like, what, um, what the hell is, is this? Uh, yeah, there's been a, there has been a few. I mean, one that sort of comes to mind, um, and I think this has comes from our, I mean, even, you know, our kind of love of character development and character understanding uh you know kind of especially when we we just i don't know where 
<laughs> don't want to just point out films that we've done here, but <laughs> transients, those kind of uh, characters that we worked on with, uh, or you worked on mainly, but the um, uh, the idea of kind of understanding a character and who he is. But this is the one thing that kind of got me. There was a film called um, uh, Crystal Fairy and the Magical Cactus. Oh, um, yeah, you showed me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was directed by Sebastian Silver, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and the one thing, the reason I really liked that one, because it was a really kind of like, there was no real, it was like a bit of a journey film with the, with, well, Michael Serra, basically. Mm. Um, but all of his kind of like friends that he'd made, it was all set in Chile. Um, and all of his friends that he had out there. And it was just a journey to try and find mescaline from the cactus and then just go and have a trip, basically, at the beach. That was like the premise of the story. But like all these little stories came along the way. Like it was just such a simple storyline, but it was almost like I felt, you know, I don't know, obviously the process that went through it, but I felt that could have been like the starting ground of a story. And then what they'd done is they interjected a few different characters along the way to kind of build up the story, mm. and, you know, make it slightly different. And obviously the... the um, the show up of Chris, uh, Crystal Fairy, who plays this woman who's almost like his conscience in a way. Mm. Um, and it was just quite, I really liked it because it was very strange. It was quite a, still a strange film considering, and the reason I thought it was strange was because of how I knew Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah being this kind of American uh, comedy film, you know, with Judd Apatow and mm. all those kind of films. That's kind of how I saw him. So when I saw him in this particular role, he basically played like, this arsehole, yeah, uh, drug taking drinker who really didn't care about his friends. Just yeah, just a really horrible person, wasn't it? Yeah, really was. I mean, it wasn't, you know, and he was quite, he was quite timid as well in a way. You know, if if any kind of danger came his way, he'd, he'd freak out. Um, so it's just yeah, kind of an all round bit of a, I don't know, just wasn't very nice, I guess, for the friends that he was hanging around with. But that for me was just quite a nice mm. development of a character and development of characters around him to see how they all act around mm. him, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I'm really making a bit of a bit of a point here, but it's just it, it was just nice to know that, you know, rather than having like a huge storyline and a plot twist and all these things, you can have a very engaging and very strange, still strange, because, like, you know, all the, some of the little events, I won't obviously ruin it too much for anyone who's listening, but like some of the events that happen along the way are still very, very strange. Mm. You know, some of the things Crystal Fairy comes out with and um, some of her past experiences that they sort of, as the film goes on, you, you sort of figure out is quite dark, you know, considering you're on this quite nice, just easygoing, oh, it's just a couple of guys wanting to go get high um kind of thing um which i suppose kind of comes with uh with with the drug taking you there's always a little bit of a sinister undertone to to most of it but um yeah i think i think with yeah with stuff like that it's it's also i, I guess we're always told certain rules and certain things that need to be done to make a good film and all these sort of things mm. and and i sort i guess we naturally you know if you watch a lot of films you start to make your own links and your own rules like oh these are these are the best films because this this and this and and you know that that's why and that's and then when a film comes along and you're like well actually that was really good but it sort of <clears throat> broke all the rules that i thought existed and and i yeah. think it's it's quite freeing like i don't think it feels good in the sense of like um like you know if you watch a like the i guess the polar opposite would be watching like a film from your childhood uh or watching yeah, like yeah, yeah. A, a really good 
Pixar film, like an aesthetically pleasing, yeah, just something storyline pleasing, just yeah, a very uh, you know something yeah. that, that really resonates with you and it's comfortable. You've seen it before. Yeah. It's it's you you it's nice. It hits all the right notes and it's great. And that those films need to exist, but also you you need to be shaken up a little bit and well not need to but i think to to grow as a either a film watcher or a filmmaker you you need to i think every now and again actively try to be shaken up um oh, I can see, absolutely i think that's as also as well you know kind of you know growing up um is is such a big you know films and movie and just obviously now more than ever like social media like being such an influence over what people do, what people see, what even people say, you know, all these things. Um, and when you do have something that does, especially, and that's becoming almost the norm now. So the comfortable thing is rather than watching like your comfortable film that you might have watched from your childhood is now like, I don't know, sitting on Facebook videos and just scrolling through like, you know, the world's biggest failures and all those things. So that's almost becoming a comfortable thing in itself. So actually mm. kind of seeing something, you know, even just long form film. Like I watched, um, uh, Rebel Without Cause, uh, a few a while back, um, which was one of James Dean's films, mm. and uh, it was like three hours long or something, or two and a half hours long. Mm. And I was like watching it, going, "Man, it's like I can't remember the last real film, you know, film just sort of a general, you know, I'm not talking like a you know blockbuster Tarantino kind of thing, because mm. obviously like you know or Scorsese, but you know back in the day that was like you know the the general attention span." Mm was way, you know, unless you are the likes of Tarantino or Scorsese, it's like your the attention span is always, and I mean, even working in the film industry, the way I'm working in it now, you know, we're always told to kind of, you know, I work for brand film and stuff like that. We'll, I'm assuming we'll get onto that in a little bit, but it's always told to kind of keep it short and sweet. So you kind of maintain the, <laughs> the uh, viewer's attention. Mm. So it's just kind of strange. I think obviously how many distractions you've just kind of, we've been given over the years that it's really you know made a made an impact on how we engage and yeah ingest. yeah the pacing of films like there's always sort of like a few things that i know an average film goer or someone who's not that interested in films just does it to sort of pass the time type thing there's a few things mm. i know that's just going to turn them off and one of them is pacing if something's a bit slower yeah. than sort of a michael bay bay, bay blockbuster or yeah. another thing is uh, foreign films. Um, like if it's if it if it's like a foreign film, people will be like, "Oh no, nah, I don't want to watch it." Um, yeah, black and white. Yeah, it's an almost old. an immediate put up, put off. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it is a shame because I I think I mean I had this um, with my mum a few months ago. We she I, there was a film I really wanted to watch called The Farewell, which is sort of like a American Chinese film. Um, yeah and uh she said oh is it subtitles like yeah just let's just watch it and see and she loved it and that was and that was good because it was like uh, i think trying to open people's eyes to these things sometimes you need to choose a film that's i mean it was a very likable film it it wasn't too strange or anything so that helped but just showing like oh just try this and it you know you might actually end up liking it and expanding your your film horizon You're more, it's, it's surprising actually how because i've yeah that's just just like that just like literally giving it a go 
you're just surprised how much you actually do enjoy it. Like, for instance, I've been trying to do recently watch like all kind of classic films. So I think I started with uh, Rebecca, Hitchcock's Rebecca, because obviously oh. in light of the new Rebecca mm. that's come out um, with Lily James, which is half the reason I wanted to watch it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched the original with my monks, but I didn't even know. It's, and that was another thing as well that, I, that sparked. I didn't actually know it was a remake. Um it was like one of those things where I just didn't I didn't consider Rebecca being a Hitchcock film. Mm. Um and then we watched the original and it was like, man, it was great. It was really quite like, you know, generally quite uh, compelling. The characters even were quite you know, they're all over the top and theatrical as they as they kind of were back in the day, but like they were just so it was just such a compelling storyline. And you know, you kind of got into the the what's the word? Not the semantics, like the the can't the form not formation shit what am i trying to say basically you got to know each character and their connections and how it how it all you know the overall meaning of the story what am i trying to say there you can help me out you're good what, so there. like it there was like i haven't seen it so is there like different oh. different things going no, on it and then just it like the way just the together. way it builds like you know just the general overview of you know the moral of the story i think is probably what I'm trying to get at, mm. um, you know, once you kind of work out all the characters and as the film goes on, you cut, there is like a real overarching moral to the story, um, which is really good. And then I watched Wuthering Heights, the original. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, I watched Vertigo last night. So I'm kind of going on a bit of a, obviously not Wuthering Heights, but <laughs> Hitchcock train. Did you, um, were, that out of the classic films you watched, have you got one that you, that stood out? That is, uh, Ver, I mean, Vertigo for me, but, and, and, uh, Rebecca, I thought Rebecca was just really, really good, really compelling, and, and that. But they were, like you say, like when you're watching it, it takes a while to kind of kick in mm. or like kind of get that movie buzz, mm. you know, because obviously you're so used to the big, glamorous, glitzy, Hollywoodized, cinematic, new, you know, 4K, 8K kind of viewing mm. that when you do watch this, that's like almost an immediate. I'm probably going to fall asleep within mm. the first five minutes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, you're kind of literally watching it as if you know, if you kind of go into it almost like thinking you're just going to re like listen to an audio audible book. Yeah. But with a with a bit of a visual. Yeah. You can kind of I don't know. It's probably a worst analogy, but like, well, I don't yeah, know, or, might be or, a way, way or some, it. some, I mean, that film, that dogma film, I was like, this is going to be really slow. I, I knew it, I knew it was going to be slow, and it was, mm. but I went into it thinking it's sort of like a meditation. I'll just take it as sort of like it's just going to wash over me, and I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna, it's almost like a, a goal to set myself. I'm gonna watch the whole thing, start to finish, and it's, it's more like, you know, just to slow me down, almost like a, personal improvement thing rather than watching yeah. it to enjoy it and then when i had that point of view with it then i enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i would um so i think yeah some films it's yeah like you say we're conditioned to be like right the first like uh two minutes i'm gonna be hooked something crazy is gonna happen then a character's gonna go on a journey and it's gonna get bam, 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 bam. And, then, yeah. and then at the end i'm gonna be like sweet awesome that was a great way to you know, kill some time for two hours. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's the approach going into it. Um, mm. Like, how many times do you find when you're trying to like suggest a film to someone? And I mean, I could probably count way more times than we should. But like, you'll you'll go uh, like, honestly, just give it the first ten minutes, and if we don't like it, we'll turn it off. Mm. It's like you're giving someone just like a real kind of early snippet, and you're ho and you're hoping within that ten minutes, which is probably longer than it's going to take to 
captivate someone mm. usually but you know you're just hoping that it's just going to grab their attention rather than like you say with you know that film you're watching it's like just going into it with you know just that conception of like you know i'm just watching it for what it is opposed to what i want it to be mm. yeah and i think it's yeah no it's, it's a good point and so i mean going back to sort of like the uni thing um mm-hmm. you were saying sort of one of the things was like teamwork and like strengths and weaknesses and realizing where you sort of fit what what where for you did you feel like at uni were your sort of where did your strengths lie maybe where did your weaknesses lie where did you sort of tend to fit quite well in a team um I tended to fit quite well I think with filming um I quite liked composing images um i try i I think one of my first courses was on cinematography so i like all of our shots had to be well crafted and thought out Mm. like you know the gold um i can't even remember what it is it the golden circle the golden spiral oh yeah Um, yeah yeah um and just like you know general rule of thirds we had to take all those things into account into account um and again, you know, these are things that you take references from in films. And, you know, I think... You know, <laughs> that, I've got to say, that golden spiral, I haven't thought about that since uni. I know. I've That's not... why I can't even remember if it's called like the golden... I don't know what it's called. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> used that fact, once. Know... I've never set up no. a shot and gone... I, even at the time, I was like, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I really felt, you know, when they picked, they picked out a lot of uh, a lot of shots like um in no country for old men i think it apparently used quite a lot right i really just feel like they just got lucky with some of the screenshots they picked <laughs> yeah. out and they just shoved it over it and then just went you can see how like the spiral you know you're kind of captivated <laughs> with all the little objects and it's like man come on like <laughs> i'm not saying it wasn't used but I, I i don't know yeah i think there's there's a certain thing that you can i don't know not saying that i'm i'm great at it but i felt comfortable enough to you know kind of put myself forward for someone who would be of that role of cinematographer mm. and you know we'd always take each other's opinion in for account um uh but yeah i don't know i just felt i was i, I had quite a bit of an eye for composing shots and um and kind of understanding what a comp you know a particular shot would mean to the scene um and i think in third yeah. year you and me worked on that i think transience um yeah even though the final and film, that's Suspiria blinds yes yeah well that was the first thing that was awesome that yeah. that's one of my proud proudest films was that suspense that was like a tom Geen moment that yeah. was like a tom Geen film and it was, it was that kind of you know short and sharp yeah it was and it was so perfect because it was 15 seconds you know once you've got a longer time frame th- there's mm. so much more room to mess it up you know but when yeah. it's constant so it, we entered a, a halloween competition it was like a 15 second horror film so in 15 seconds you've got to tell a story uh yeah. And we and this was the first sort of project we did together. And it was just us two, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Us, we just rented the camera from uni, and yeah. uh, we we were quite lucky with the ending because the ending wouldn't have been there had we not nicked a cat. Yeah, <laughs> stolen a cat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I remember that. And then and then going with transients and you you being the cinematographer and and that sort of relationship dynamic started. Um, I would mm. say as well one of your strengths, and this is um away from the technical side of it but i think just as important if not more important is i think you always were able to keep morale high on set and maybe not even consciously but because you were upbeat because you were energetic because you sort of brought brought that to it i think it made 
sets. Don't morph. be crass, Dad. I'm a damn grump. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being ironic. Um, <laughs> oh, but, thanks, man. But yeah, no, I think that that was a strength uh, at uni as well, and and, and since uni as well. Um, but uh, what were, were, were there any weaknesses? Was there anything that you felt? you you struggled uh, with or you oh anything? man yeah i think my weaknesses were always the technical side of things like and it still is to an extent like i i'm, I'm a lot better with it now but you know you'd work with people that are very you know would give you the proper ins and outs of a, of a camera and a lens and you know i kind of i mean even my mate you know even alex berry kind of has the same thing it's like we can we can do it when we're in practice we know what we need and we can work it out but to try and explain it and talk about it with people just i don't know why it just i can't I'm not as confident enough for saying, I just know like, you know, I know what I need. I know how to set up the shot. I know how to set up a camera mm. and I, you know, so it's probably something I should work on. I should still be working on, which I am in a way. So I'm a little bit more, I'm a, I'm a hell of a lot more technical than I was when, uh, when we were at uni. But yeah, I think at the time that was, um, that was definitely something that was my weakness. It was not, you know, kind of probably having to spend more time and researching things because I didn't know it from my own mm technical background you know or my own technical knowledge i wouldn't be able to go oh this is the lens you'll need for that particular light this is the camera you need blah blah blah, blah. i'd yeah. have to like go i want this camera because i know how to shoot on it therefore i'll try and work out the ins and outs later <laughs> yeah and i think i mean even when i talk to people who have been in it like the industry for a long time people are still like working stuff out and people still google stuff on their phone on set and like you know oh, it's, yeah it's it, it the technical side of it unless you you are very very technically minded and you you mm. went into film wanting to sort of pull a camera apart and work out yeah. everything and then it it's it's usually i think the the more challenging part because it, it is usually creatives who go into it um it's i it's, think you do need to have like you say like a very technical mind in general like i feel like you need to have that and man, I, I don't <laughs> like I'm, I'm a, I don't know what's going on up there, but it's, it's there's, there's, there's not much sense to be pulled out of it if you were to dissect it. But um, yeah, it is. But again, it's like one of those things where I think, you know, when you work with people, you know, you hope that you're understanding and know how. And, you know, basically the ultimate thing is as long as you can get the project done to like, you know, the standard that you all want it to be. You know, you know, so as long as someone knows what they're doing when they're doing it, I'm not going to rely on someone, you know, having to prove themselves by telling me, you know, the <laughs> the particular screw head on a particular Canon lens, <laughs> all that shit. Yeah. You know, so I, you know, as long as as long as you're confident in knowing what you're doing, and you know, we're all there to help each other, then I think that's uh, I think that's worth well, not worth worthy more, but it's you know, I've been on set, I've been on shoots where people do kind of lord it over you a little bit when they clearly know more about it than you which is great you know that's kind of what you need you do need people that do know these things but mm. at the same time you know you want to you want to maybe going back to your morale uh point there is like trying to keep make sure that you're not undermining anyone um mm. you know uh, obviously there is there's different tiers when you're on bigger sets of people you know like ad's and first ad's and all that so there is a bit of a tier structure but ultimately you know you know with like small shoots and things like that you all kind of got a pitch in so yeah yeah um so so like after uni then um what was your first year like like you're sort of out of uni now it's it's probably especially for creative people and 
and just in general you come out of uni and it's just like yeah oh what I'm, now? I'm laughing because you know where this is going <laughs> <laughs> so me dan and becca uh-huh. um was one of our friends from uni um was part of a well it's actually dan you first wasn't it so you basically started work with this guy called Nick mm. who works for NCS, which was like a youth connections sector program that helped sort of, you know, un- uh, disunfortunate kids. Disunfortunate, is that the word? Disunfortunate, no, but it is now. Disunfortunate, oh, I won't, you know, coin it. Um, <laughs> dis- dis- <laughs> Beyonce can have bootylicious, bootylicious in the dictionary. I'm having disunfortunate. <laughs> that's a double negative, so that's fortunate. Disin- oh, fortunate kids, maybe. <laughs> And it's unfortunate. Wow. There you go. Look, words are just trying to get out. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, you know, as you probably people may know of like Youth Connections is we, but we went around on these, um, what were they? I was just about to call it a retreat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like a spa weekend for these kids. <laughs> and it, was, it wasn't um, just uh, dis- disunfortunate kids. It was... Uh... I think it started, I think NCS started as that, but I think by the time we were doing the filming, I think it was pretty much anyone, any kid. Oh yeah, any kid. It was just like, you know, you'd always find the majority of kids came from either quite slightly troubled backgrounds or... Sure, sure. A lot of them. I mean, yeah, I don't want to like (laughs) just summarise or generalise, but... Disunfortunate um, backgrounds. Disunfortunate backgrounds. Yeah. It sounds like a word. (laughs) Well, hey, the dictionary is an ever-changing thing. So, I mean, if you push no. it hard enough, then you can yeah. you can make it a word. I mean, the dictionary doesn't just stop, surely. We haven't come up with all words. No, no. That's one of the... Otherwise, you, well, about, maybe we have, because obviously the dictionaries were printed. You don't, like, print a book and then... Oh, actually, no, what you do. I suppose that. Yeah. I was about to say you don't print a book and then, like, write more. <laughs> I guess that's what a, a sequel is. <laughs> stop, J.K. Rowling. That's enough. You're not allowed to write stop, anymore. that's enough. <laughs> okay so oh, well. so yeah so i i guess that was straight out of uni wasn't it um i'd already been yeah. working for nick for about a year um and then and then we went into it in the summer so so how long were you you there for i, I think i was there for i'm trying to work out because i'm pretty sure that was as soon as i came up because i basically i started yeah we were working there um and then i think it all sort of i, I mean because obviously it was during term times that we would do that yeah uh, sorry it was um, holidays yeah holidays yeah holiday terms um that we do that so now i remember getting uh we were there for i think i was there for maybe six months maybe like six months of like over the course of an academic year yeah so like i remember being there for a summer yeah like the whole of the summer then in October, yeah, and like they're sort of like Halloweeny period, and then uh, I think one in February or March, and then I think that was it. And then basically, I remember getting a job at a uh, Luton Airport parking cars. Okay. And yeah. whilst I was doing that, oh, was it? I was, yeah. I was. Whilst I was doing that, I was applying for uh, jobs, and I managed to land a job at, um, at a company quite nearby to where I was living, which was quite fortunate. Um, and uh, yeah, that sort of springboarded me into um, my sort of film career, I guess, because that was where I was literally employed, um, like PAYE kind of style, yeah, uh, to make films for uh, quite exciting brands as well, which was quite a huge thing. I was like, I think I was like twenty two, 
it was mainly like sort of automotive, which, you know, I think I just, I felt like I did steal someone's job because I know nothing about cars and boy, did they know that. <laughs> I'd be like, get told to like film the chassis and I'd be like hovering around the hubcap. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we would, we would so, like uh, gone back but... into the garage to like film the chassis. <laughs> yeah. no, the, no, the chassis yeah. on the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like chassis, she's <laughs> yeah. chassis, she's not on the call sheet. I don't know, chassis. <laughs> she's chassis. chassis, chassis. You want me to film chassis? Do you want me to interview her or? <laughs> you chassis? Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Somebody lost a dog. <laughs> Um, yeah, but no, it was, yeah, it was mad. It was like an invaluable experience. Like I was, uh, still quite young. I was like super young and I was, I think I was, I was more enthusiastic than I was. No, I'll give myself discredit. I, I, I did good there. I was just very, um, I think there were the things I learned along the way, especially getting into that kind of style of filmmaking was, um, was understanding deadlines and actually, not just being creative, but actually kind of working to right. I need to check films. Right. That was a big thing that I remember. Uh, I remember being told off quite a few times about because you know I'd send over films with mistakes in it or glitches or things like that purely because I hadn't checked. I hadn't like watched the export. Mm. Um, so that's you know that's a that's a tip. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, save yourself, save yourself uh, a few awkward conversations. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was great. You know, it took me around the world as well, which was amazing. Um, at such a young age, kind of went to America, did a whole like rally around uh, Africa, um, and yeah, it was just such a great. It was such an amazing understanding as well for such a. You know, it wasn't necessarily a small company, but it, you know, in, in the terms of its sort of scale as a as individuals within there i think it was only like 14 people at the time okay um but their clients were just huge so obviously they ended up signing off amazing projects um and it was such a young team as well that was on board um and they had all the kit as well it was like kind of being back at uni where they had their own little kit section and i started off basically just being a junior uh, camera operator and editor and part of that would be like looking after all the kit. So I got to know the kit a little bit better. I got to know how to use cameras and lenses and just general little little accessories. You know, you don't think of needing on a shoot. You know, I just need a camera and I need a lens and maybe a tripod. I don't ever think about like the base plate of a tripod or like the feet of a tripod are going to make a, it easier to work with. All these little things, you know, um, which was another like kind of invaluable lesson there. Um, and yeah, that was that was kind of... So it gave, it gave you quite NCS. a good like education and uh, discipline of, of yeah working. of like the real world of like sort of it was it was still quite corporate but it was I think because of the nature of what we were shooting we were shooting a lot of cars and races and things like that so there was an element of excitement that we were able to put into the edits um, it wasn't just a standard you know stock image talking head there was a little bit and you know all the a lot of the races we we'd film had a bit of a storyline because we'd be filming it as the race is happening which was also another like insane thing we'd have to like do um these three-day races um and get a, a one film out per day 
Um, so wow. one of us will be sitting there editing and the other two would be going out filming, coming back with the footage, then going back out filming and the guy would just be ingesting footage and editing it to get a film out by the time the film is uh, the race is finished. So, you know, we're trying to then, because then that kind of builds up, you know, there's a story behind the race and everything, you know, like, you know, one of them might be doing so well and then someone overtakes or whatever, you know, that kind of probably, <laughs> probably making it sound really, uh, really boring. But, um <laughs> No, it was just it was just really good. It was like really good fun to like kind of work to deadlines. I think that as well like really kind of helped me as an uh, become a better editor as well because it you know in terms of deadlines there was probably the tightest deadlines with the most amount of footage to deal with and having to craft a storyline as well um, in such short amount of time is you know when you think about it is is just mental. But um, it can be done is another thing that you know you can sort of take away from that and yeah. So yeah, it was, it it's was just, it was, pretty, I guess it sorry, was pushed, pushed, pushed to your limits, pushed past your limits. It helped you to yeah. learn very, very quickly, making, I yeah. guess, a lot of mistakes. But from those mistakes, that then you were stronger at it. I mean, were you, were you mainly doing uh, editing or filming or was it pretty much sort of 50 50? It was quite 50 50. Um, you know, especially on the the race days, you know, when we had to go on location film, I'd be mainly filming because, mm. um, yeah, I mean, that was that was kind of what I was. I think they were attracted to to begin with was sort of my filming style, um, and then but obviously like part of the job was like you're gonna have to edit as well. So a lot of the a lot of the jobs we do, we kind of get you know quite well managed um, and put on jobs, you know, to for me to edit this that, and the other. But on race days, I think it got to, you know because I hadn't done it before, the actual pressure of doing an edit for someone who's never done that kind of deadline before is mm. uh, is quite daunting. So it was a real nice build-up to being able to be allowed to edit. Not allowed, but, like, you know, it's just... I think if I'd got given an edit to do straight away with that kind of uh, time parameter, I'd, I'd have shat myself. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, overall, it was 50-50. So, um, so was, what did you... What aspects of, of that job did you enjoy the most? Uh, what I enjoy, I enjoy. I really enjoyed just the general being able to go out on location. It was like my actual, like my the the idea of first and foremost the idea that this was I was filming and editing things was my job. Considering my previous jobs to this was parking cars, mm. working in shops, <laughs> you know, all these kind of like what you kind of deem as like just getting a job to pass the time. Blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. and I should it's just like, also that point was, out that. We're, when we were doing work for NCS and Nick, that was yeah. uh, that was freelance, so that wasn't a full time. That was freelance, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was another kind of posed another um, sort of issue and uh, just headache in itself because I didn't. I was fresh out of uni. I, I thought I wanted to go freelance, but then didn't understand the uh, the formalities of a freelancer, like you know, dealing with taxes and all those things. So, uh, so was that? Yeah, I got a pretty. So how did you? How was that then? What What was your sort of learning? Just to focus a bit on that. Um, My learning curve was I th I realised that when I came out, I wanted to be a freelancer, but I didn't, again, like we were talking about earlier, my understanding of focus, you know, focusing on what's actually needed. I scratched the surface with freelancing. I was like, right, I can just do work for money. Brilliant. But then didn't really, <laughs> didn't like consider the fact that I'd have to pay tax, you know, so I'd get paid for all these jobs. I then didn't understand how to do my self-assessment, all these things, all the like boring stuff that, you know, as a freelancer, you kind of have to do. Uh, and then just got stung with a horrible, horrible bill. And I was like, man, I don't, 
I don't want to do this. I don't. I'm not. I haven't got enough work coming through because NCS was pretty much the only person I was working for. Yeah. Um. At the time, so it was like I'm not gonna. I don't have enough money to was warrant it? the amount of money that I'm having to spend. So it was the idea of then going, and I'm not. You know, if I can get a job doing this, but actually be paid and obviously like you know fully above board on the books, then was it? Was it sort of work. like? Was it just a tax or because? I guess yeah, it was just daunting. I think I think it was like the tax thing. The tax was like just a big, like kind of almost like a real realization of, man, this is there's a lot that goes into this, and I'm just really not prepared, like mentally or you know, kind of skillfully even, like to just kind of take on to kind of get myself enough jobs to kind of warrant me being a freelancer. Like I was just lucky enough to know you that obviously got me the job with Nick to get that job. I didn't have any other jobs lined up. I think my extent of my um job reach was that wedding <laughs> venue that i went out to and that was it yeah so um so yeah i think my was finding the work as well and actually having yeah having work and actually having uh yeah that's it and uh and then also as well i think again as i was growing up i kind of realized you know i got given so many amazing opportunities along the way like i got um i managed to film uh, a music video out in LA for a friend I did some amazing like uh, shoots with with friends as well so I was kind of getting all these opportunities but they were so sporadic mm. and they weren't you know and I was so and I, I was starting to get I was starting to realize that this is what I wanted to do and I wanted to kind of pursue this uh, as, as something that you know is a lifetime career uh, so I that was when I was like right I, I kind of need to get a job that's just gonna I'm, I'm gonna learn from I'm not gonna have to worry about all the formalities and technicalities and boring bits mm. I can just focus solely on just trying to learn and get better uh, and then yeah so I was there for like I think a year and a half or something and then because of like the amount of times I just you know got quite comfortable there I think and you know we it was quite a social um group of people everyone got along with each other but obviously my uh a lot of a lot of what the work I did you know forgetting to add bits to kit and things like that I they just ended up letting me go because it just hadn't it happened too many times which is understandable like you know like looking back on it it's just like man that's uh it's once you do a couple of things and you get told about it a few times it's like man i need to which i did you know you kind of go over like right i'm going to check each video duh, 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 and then over time you get a little bit more comfortable and you forget to check one but because you've already had that conversation it's double the uh <laughs> double the punishment almost but um you seemed yeah. at the time if you don't mind me saying you seemed quite happy to go like do you mind talking about and the the downside yeah, to no, working there happy. like some of the stuff yeah that... i think i was I was happy to go because I did, I did, it was at the point where we were filming cars and I just wasn't passionate about cars. <laughs> mm. So, um, you know, I was quite passionate about wanting to carry on with film, but it was, you know, and at the time as well, slightly different tangent, but I was, I was, um, started up a band that I was actually really quite enthusiastic about and kind of with that came working on music videos and things, you know, so all these like external entities that were kind of progressing in my life, I was becoming more passionate and more, um, proactive about, which was also then putting a bit of a, you know, back foot on the, my actual job. So um, I started giving less attention to the work that was paying me and more attention to the work that wasn't. Sure. Um, 
was, yeah, was also they... an aspect of it like um the ha- the amount they were working you for the amount of pay you got yeah. oh yeah like the pa- i think you know considering the amount you would work i mean you did get like a lot of the m- money back the overtime but oh, okay. it just wasn't you know it wasn't it was i i think it's again this is like competitive you know under at the time it was quite low but it was it was a lot more than i was ever getting paid anywhere mm. so that was, that was amazing yeah um but you know kind of knowing it now it's you know we're living in london and working on a london sort of competitive rate it's it's you know you kind of need to live in that area you can't really live in london and kind of almost expect to live in london on that kind of wage mm. that kind of thing because it was it was yeah it was, it was I, I mean i'm not i'm not a finance financial advisor so i don't know what is <laughs> what is uh, a right amount to pay someone of that mm. but i i don't know there was a lot we you know we worked weekends we worked this we worked that and we get a lot of it back, but at the time, same time, it would it was you know it was still not it was still it was still quite low pay I think um, mm. for for what I felt anyway the felt the work that we were all doing was um, was quite good but yeah I mean there was a few there was a few aspects um, of it that you know I think there was the team as well got quite you know became quite clicky and like I say when I started sort of not focusing too much on the work you know I'd kind of distance myself from them so you know it kind of i'd be then focusing on the band and other bits of you know filming um and yeah i don't know it was just i think there was a bit more of a click there to begin with they were great guys they're really really nice but um yeah i think is you know you kind of you, you know when you slot in well to a situation opposed to when you don't mm. um and uh yeah i think uh, i was definitely the sort of different kind of person that was you know i was a little bit more into indie rock and roll had long hair <laughs> and i think it was a lot of uh, and they liked football lot of guys that, and they like football house music and you know <laughs> but no it was no i'm not i'm not going to stereotype people for their interest but yeah it was uh it was really good fun they were really good guys sure yeah so after you got let go from there what were what mm. was your sort of thinking what did you have any plans did you have any did you just try to look for another a film job straight away like what was that um no man. i was kind of like there was a slight air of relief that it was kind of you know i was like man I've, i felt like i was going to be for here forever because i you know i was i think with the band and stuff we started gigging in london and the idea of like being in london was like amazing and obviously like when i was talking about the competitive rate in london and working in there was like oh man i don't know if i can i'd have to leave this job literally to go and trying to pursue a, a career in London I can't do I can't like work here and live in London mm. um so when that happened there was a part there was a part of me I was like wow okay cool I can do this now I can just kind of like look for work in London like I know I know the sort of job roles that are out there because I've now worked in one um and I've also got to know a few others because of working there you know in terms of like the you know the line that you know as production manager production coordinator all these like jobs that are kind of sub sections to the film industry Mm. um so i was a little bit more i was able to kind of like home in on those and looked around london and then started i I then went freelance again um and i started properly freelancing like you know kind of got to grips with uh, i had an accountant and things like that um how was that the second time sort of going freelance uh it was still a bit daunting but it was i had a little bit more of an understanding because uh, I got a contract job with a few companies. Um, and then when that contract ended at one of the companies I was working at, 
I didn't have anything else booked in and that's what really worried me. I was like, oh man, don't know what I'm going to do. And almost, I can remember this like quite weirdly, on the day I got called from a company called Casual Films, which I'd I, you know, previously been at for like two and a half years, but they called me on that day that I just found out that I didn't have any, you know, that contract came to an end and I didn't have any work booked in. They said come in for an interview. Um, and yeah, I was then jumped into Casual Films, which was a What, you'd been uh, with them for two and a half years before that? No, sorry, as in like the the company that I'd been for from two and a half years from now, oh, okay. <laughs> from this conversation. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, so, yeah, sorry, that might come across confusing. But anyway, I got this call from Casual Films when I left. Oh, okay. Um, which was roughly about three years, three, no, four, three and a half, four years ago now. Right, and you were there um, for two and a half years? I was there for two and a half years. Wow. Three, yeah. wow. Yeah, was that the longest you've ever been... At one employed, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, how was that? So, what was the sort of journey with them? What was the sort of stuff you learned, or what was your sort of experience? Uh, again, it was a lot more time management, mm. um, yeah, and I was a lot more focused on f- editing there because the jobs I, w- I would still film, I was basically the same role, but it was a little bit more. They were a company that basically, um. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was a company that outsourced a lot of uh, filmmakers and directors for shoots, and we'd go on the odd shoot here and there. Right. Um, and uh, it was probably a little bit 25, uh, maybe 30% filming, 70% editing. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so we'd get, so it kind of just improved me a little bit more in my editing skills, which was good. Mm. Um, and the team there was amazing. Like, that's the one thing I've noticed. I noticed about living in living in London even to now is like a lot of the teams, especially freelancing going into companies, it's just there's always it's it's never as daunting as you kind of may think. It's always quite a, a really nice team. Mm. They always click. There's always yeah, it's and it's not as and I, that's the one thing as well I noticed it's never as grand a scale as I think it's gonna be. When I think of a film company, I'm like, well, it's gonna have like <laughs> green screen rooms and production rooms and all these things. It's usually just like one open plan office and yeah. everyone's just like hold in it. <laughs> <laughs> So how did that? How did uh, Casual Films compare to uh, your previous one? Uh, in terms of work life, as in like you know enjoyment, I much more enjoyed it at um, Casual, um, just because it was. I felt I connected a little bit better with the people that were there. Um, I had a little bit more. I was a little bit more experienced as well, so I kind of came into the role with a little bit more confidence um you know in even like when as the years progressed while I was there like becoming a bit more confident with suggesting ideas and kind of actually putting ideas out there and things like that Hmm. um um but in terms of the product in terms of the work I would say I had more fun on projects um just because of the nature like you know um casual was a little bit more kind of London corporate um, whereas my previous production company that I worked for, um, I yeah, it was all, all automotive. So just in terms of the content that was that was being filmed was more exciting, um, and the projects, you know, sort of, I was I was taken around the world a lot of the time. I was also taken, you know, around a lot of Europe with uh, with casual, but it was um, it was a lot more to do with talking heads, you know, going out to film someone who couldn't make it to the UK or mm. something like that, rather than you know, going out to a race to film amazing cars and, you know, all these, like, kind of visually stimulating bit of eye candy, basically. Sure, yeah. So 
um when did you when did you leave casual and why or when did you did you did you well leave i left or? i didn't i uh i kind of got let go again for i lost <laughs> god i'm gonna sound really great to any potential <laughs> employer <laughs> i uh i basically lost I, I lost a lot of interest in purely like i was saying again like with with that previous production company that i was at before casual i I lost interest because I was young and I had like an idea of living in London and I was starting out with a band um, and all these things, all these music uh, projects I was getting involved with and I was just not into cars. So I just, I kind of wanted to go from there and I lost my focus, which is a bad thing. Um, I lost my focus with like the company and then with casual, I had the same thing. I, they could sort of see that I was putting a lot more effort into, you know, my external hobbies, which would be the band and other projects than necessarily taking the time, which I'd be quite care. I'd be, I'd be, you know, I'd be very good with the projects I was working on, but it was just a general lack of motivation and all these things that kind of went into probably the, the demise of my time there. Mm. But, um, yeah, so that then I, you know, I got, I got asked to leave, which was, you know, but under under really good terms. Um, there's no sort of malice there. It was just more they could see that I wasn't enjoying it. Mm. And it was almost like that because I'd even been planning on going freelance properly, like, as in like actually giving it a proper go. Mm. Um, and uh, I'd, over the time I was at Casual, I made so many like contacts, you know, outside of Casual, even like, you know, within like, you know, freelancers that would come in, they'd be able to chuck each other work and things like that so I was like man this is the sort of lifestyle I kind of want to do and that you know again growing up you know people I guess grow up in in various different ways I've sort of mine's in my late or early late 30s <laughs> uh, my uh you know early 30s is probably when I'm starting to you know still probably not completely growing but you know there's definitely going to be way more mistakes I'm going to make along the way but um yeah and the time there was 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 amazing but it was almost like i wanted to go freelance um about i think about a year and a half to two years in um and yeah from there on i was just almost focused solely on that trying to make connections trying to get projects underway um outside of work because i was almost then seeing work as i come in do my time then leave and then do the things i want to do outside of work yeah um, so i guess again which, with know, this one it sort of made sense that you you were let go because you, yeah you were sort of happy and ready to anyway and it was and i think the main thing it was never i was never going to do it myself i don't think because i was just i was so one i was comfortable there and i got too committed to obviously paying rent and stuff so that was like just another f factor that i'd like take in take on board was as much as I want to just pack this in I can't because I haven't got anything else going on I don't have obviously the money to support me um for while I'm looking for another job or while I'm setting up myself as a freelancer so when um when I left like we left on good terms I was able to like come back work working with there but it was almost like a bit of a kick up the ass that I needed um and it just kind of drove me a little bit to kind of like you know source some actual work, getting in contact with previous people that I've worked with, getting in contact with the people that I had been working with, you know, actually kind of let them know about my situation, get my show rolled together. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, it's worked. It's, there's been no malice between anyone, but it's, you know, it's, I guess in terms of the professional world, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't look, <clears throat> it doesn't look great. But at the same time, I'm kind of not kicking myself because I'm kind of now doing the things that I want to do um and it was just you know i'm just, it's I'm not 
I'm not very uh, professionally adapt, uh, professionally, uh, what's the word? Enabled? No. Adept, I think you said it. I think. Adept? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. I just, I've, I've realised over time, like, you know, I've, I've, again, going back to our conversation at uni, you know, what are our strengths and weaknesses? I think that's just, you know, I'm kind of, I, I enjoy doing the project. I think I know, I've learnt that I'm not really suited for corporate work, even though I'll do it now as a freelancer because I then don't have the commitment of there every day you know, doing all the bits that I don't want to do, I can kind of just be hired to do the thing I do want to do. Mm. Um, so yeah, freelancing for me, I think is just like my, my only way around not constantly getting let go from places. Yeah. <laughs> unless, unless I fire myself, <laughs> so, which is, you know, highly likely. So how's it been going then as a freelancer? I guess your first, the third time, sorry. Third time, yeah, third time. And this year has been absolutely awesome. Like, you know, all things considering. Um it's actually been good work-wise it's been really good like you know i've made a bunch of new contacts with uh quite exciting clients um and projects um and it's been steady as well like i've kind of got a grip and a grasp on how to go about contacting people i've got you know i've now got a website in place i've got a, a more exciting showreel that's obviously over the years i've been working on all these projects i've been able to get a showreel together um and i've got a little bit more confidence in how to connect with people, how to talk to people, how to approach people. Um, and I'm now, you know, I'm doing it obviously all from the, uh, the corner of my, my little room in uh, London. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of now all on the kind of time schedule that I, well, not the ISEX, obviously, you know, if I'm working for client, but it, it's just a nicer way of doing it. I kind of like working by either a project by project basis, or, you know, if someone needs an editor for a week, I'm like, all right, I'm working all this week. And then I'll be working on something else for the next, um, which was quite nice. It was a lot nicer pre COVID because <laughs> obviously I was able to go into all these different offices, work from here, work from there, meet new people. You know, you don't necessarily get integrated, which I do miss, but also as well with that integration, with the likes of that first production company I was working at, Casual, you as as nice as it is, I I just got too comfortable with where I was, you know, and it it became a bit too I became a bit too too much like a home bird, and I hated that. I hate feeling like I'm in a routine. I hate feeling like I'm I'm bogged down or grounded down or held down. Um, I like the option of being able to, you know, go wherever I want to go, work on whatever I want to work on. I don't. You know, if I don't have work, I don't have work. That's on me. If I do have work, it's because of the work I want to do because I'm approaching the right or the people that I want to work with. Um, obviously, there's going to be jobs that I don't necessarily want to do, but it's the fact that I'm only doing it in short bursts, kind of like I, I'm understanding now that that's I'm, I'm relying on my energy to be 100%. Whereas if I'm doing all these like jobs that I don't want to do, with no particular end goal, end date, it's just going to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep, you know, it, it's bad. my mind doesn't work in that way. Yeah. So, so you're finding it easier to get work now than you used to when you were freelance. You're finding it. Easier. Yeah. So what, what advice would you give to like a younger self or someone <clears throat> who does struggle with that, who, who, you know, struggles with, cause that's is probably the the biggest challenge of anyone in any profession mm. going freelance it's it's there's no guarantee there's no work guaranteed um so what what sort of things 
have you learned or do you feel stronger at now or better at now that you think is, is really key for people to focus on if they're going to be freelancer let's just keep it as a filmmaker um yeah um i think you know well first of all i you know i'm still i'm still working on that myself sure but um uh but you know i think you know ultimately i think one thing i would say is don't worry about um your peers if that makes sense you know how other people progress right you know for instance myself like you know i haven't progressed in the way that some of my friends progress and it does bug you because you're like oh man should i be feeling like what should i be doing this should i understand this or should i do that you know and you know i think you are gonna um what's the word you are going to improve and um progress uh, in your own way and I think that's um you know you're always going to get for you know you're always going to feel like you're forcing yourself to do this or you're not understanding this you're always going to mess up that's another thing as well like don't be afraid to mess up I think mm. that's probably part of this whole thing um and the second thing I think if you're really the one thing that I've sort of learned and kind of um really trying to take the reins with is like working on your personal ethos with what you want to do as a freelancer is like rather than going hey I've got a fr- I've got a show reel um I need work because that's ultimately what you do. You're sitting there. You you haven't got a job. You're not on the jo- you're not on the job book with anyone. Your your own destiny of work, if you want to call it that, mm. um, is kind of like maybe just sit down or don't rush into it and just say, you know, what what do I want to as a personal, um, as a personal uh, creative freelance filmmaker, what do I want to bring to the table? You know, and when I when I say that is like is who do I want to work with? What does the person I want to work with bring to the table? Does that align with my um, ethics? And is it aligned with the things I want to do? Is it doing good in the world? Is it doing whatever you want it to be? Whatever you want yourself as a freelancer to be, how does the person you're working with align to that? Because ultimately then all you're, all you're doing is then just sending out your CV to people and saying, hey, have you got any work? The idea with this particular method would be looking at those people that you want to work with and then maybe crafting an idea off off your own back mm. and pitching it to them almost. And that's something that I've it's come back, you know, I've done recently and has actually come back amazingly. Um, and it's the first time, you know, I, over the years I've just been emailing people going, hey, I love your work. I love, um, you know, you, you do a little bit of research into their company, you do research into their projects, you'll note down a few of their films that they've done and why you like their films. And you'll just then probably round it off by saying, hey, if there's any work going or if there's any projects you think I'd be fit for, please let me know. And then you're just on a please let me know basis. Mm. But if you've got something to show Mm. rather than just asking that, it's almost like going up to someone and saying, hey, look, I've got this idea. Do you want to roll with it? It's almost like a bit more of a shock factor, I think. And actually kind of just, I don't know. It's just a different way of going about it. But it's, it's worked more than not more because this is the first time i've started doing this but i feel like it's got more chance of working um than it would just asking for people well yeah i mean it's actually going up with a project yeah i mean it makes complete sense and it's um yeah i mean it's gonna make you stand out like it because mm. the amount of emails they must get of people saying you know uh oh look <coughs> stuff or and then you know what but actually preparing something and and I think it's a bit more of a risk, obviously, because you're spending all your time working yeah. on something. And then if that turns to nothing, then the risk is you spent all that time for nothing. But 
the 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 payoff is can be much bigger like you say um mm. and it's and the learning i mean as much as you say yeah it's a bit of a waste of time like <laughs> ultimately as a freelancer you've got all the time in the world <laughs> yeah um but obviously you know yeah you do need to chart you need to take into account that is time and money you know that is the time that you're spending is you need to kind of account for that you know if 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 the thing does kick off you need to account for that time and how much money you you know want to recoup from the amount of um, pre-production you put in but it's also that as well just like learning how to you know how to craft ideas from nothing you mm. know kind of like looking at looking at someone and going hey what does this brand or what is this project what is this person or what, whoever you're approaching you know what is it what, what could they do what could i do yeah you know, it's it's you know, sort of what's like, happening with them it's sort of like the quality over the quantity that's sort of how i yeah felt because i i felt similarly so when i came back from traveling last year i sort of came back with a renewed passion but i wanted to do it properly i didn't want to just go in thinking i'm i'm gonna do this this and that and uh work's gonna fly in i was like well i'm gonna really think about this and really think about what you know what i can offer people and how i can offer that and yeah i think that's one of the key things is is like you say really just spending that time like not just sending out a generic email not just just um yeah just just doing doing random stuff um just in a rush and hoping you get it it is really the 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 quality over the quantity and and the more time you take to to do those things and and to meet up with people i mean that's that's a big thing for me as well i mean it's obviously very difficult now but but (laughs) spending that time to you know go one two three meetings before maybe work is even mentioned you know sort of yeah it's putting in the groundwork type thing of um and so yeah no i completely agree in terms of in terms of that as well And, and i think the other point you made about you know comparing yourself to others i think that's absolutely right i think most unless they're sort of like holier than thou like perfect minded people any mm. any freelancer is gonna struggle with that because because it's and, and especially this sort of profession where and a creative profession where people can just you see people like who have very little skill i'm not talking about people we know but i'm just talking about like in general you hear these crazy stories of just like people yeah, spiking yeah, yeah. and then just they, they just stumble across the right person the right place and then they just become yeah. really successful or or whatever or you know i know that a couple of my friends really hate stuff like the x factor you know you get people like jedwood who you know yeah, who, who yeah, become, yeah. it's it's i mean obviously that is a is a is a much more famous and bigger level but that on a smaller level as well just try not to get sucked up into that because i think it, it always sucked up into like the ease of ease of success well not, like not just the presented. ease but also the competitive thing like it's obviously it is a competitive industry but the more that you can stay out of that mindset and the more that you can sort of just just work on doing your own good thing well and also i think it's easy to think people are doing well like it's easy from the outside to think well they're doing great and therefore i want to do i want to be like that but it's like i've talked to quite a few filmmakers recently and and the ones that i maybe were most envious of was like wow they've gone through some of the hardest times like and, mm. and they've had within work even it's not like you know they've had just crazy personal stuff going on it's like within the work they do there's all this undercurrent of stuff that you just have no idea about um yeah absolutely and um 
so it's yeah i think that's that's a really good point is is you know you're gonna you're gonna feel jealousy you're gonna feel like yeah, absolutely. everyone's better but it's natural but in the end like the more that you can just focus on your own thing and 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 another thing i i think is when you do feel jealous about someone another good approach is just to learn from them like give them a call mm. or 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 you know um, what do you like about what they've yeah, done and things yeah like that and, and why and you know like oh shit that's great how did you do that yeah ask their advice and you know and then and yeah. then you can you can make yourself grow because obviously if you're just sitting in bitterness you know it's just it's not going to get anywhere so yeah yeah i think that's that's a really good one um yeah and also just then again like you know confidence with your own work like you know for instance as much as you might be jealous of someone else's that doesn't necessarily mean that yours is any less than theirs yeah yeah you, know, you might you know you might, you might it might just be a particular project that you would have wished you worked on you know that kind of thing mm. and you know it doesn't mean to say that your work is any less better or whatever it just again this thing comes back to you know sending out 10 emails opposed to working on you know spending the time you'd spend on 10 emails working on one particular idea or something that kind of stands you out with the particular project you want to work on mm. you know then you might there's you stand more of a chance of getting the thing you want than 10 of the things you might be okay with doing yeah sort of thing. yeah Nice. so that's that yeah so yeah. uh so what's like the next steps for you what are you feeling like what is there like you know where would you want to be in five years ideally what sort of projects are you interested in what, what sort be. of what's uh i want to be an astronaut it's in store it's in store for old eucalyptus yeah. <laughs> uh, many things multiple things he's a man of many magics yes um but uh i think for the purpose of the podcast, I won't dive into too much of the raunchy business. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll keep it clean. Thank you, much appreciated. That's yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of taking it as it comes. I'm trying. We've got. I'm working on a bit of a fun project at the moment, which hopefully is going to see us through to next year, um, and could potentially be the start of you know uh, starting up an actual business. Um, rather than being a freelancer, actually becoming like a limited company, potentially, like if, if all goes well, we're still in the very preliminary stages. It's that kind of, as soon as you get the one uh, thing that you feel is like, oh my God, this is amazing. You then just start, you know, dreaming about what house you're going to have in the South of France, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> who you're going to be married to, you know, all these things. And then before you've even started the project, um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I don't know. That's I'm just trying to trying to get my head around this before I can even think about. Fu- I feel like future Aaron is just going to happen. Sure. Before I've before I've even been aware of it, and you know, instead of being in like you know a house in the south of France, I could be in the house of like South End. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, shouting at shouting at some uh, some seagulls stealing their <laughs> chips. Um, <laughs> So you know, one can dream. Yeah, yeah, it's someone's dream. <laughs> yeah, you know, someone else. Yeah, I mean, sound like I mean, I I'd love to be that content. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. With just the only thing bothering not... you in life is seagulls. That's pretty pretty good. Game. Yeah, just you know, and trying to trying so hard. Oh, I had this theory. Okay, slight tangent, um, and this is probably going to even make or break this podcast. Okay. Or and and me and me as a person. Okay. But I I you know when you 
are speaking a foreign language, right? And you're speaking a foreign language um, with someone who can speak English. And, you you know, they can correct you on things they understand. So, for instance, if I said, uh, Auf Wiedersehen, yeah. you know I'm saying goodbye. But if I said it like, Auf Wiedersehen, <laughs> slightly, just slightly different, uh-huh. the person who I'm speaking it to who is of the native tongue yeah. would probably still understand what I'm trying sure. to say. Yeah. I've just said it slightly differently. Yeah. So I was out with my uncle and we were looking at some ducks in the pond, right? And... My uncle did a very, very good duck impression. And I was there going, do you reckon, do you reckon they understood that? Like, do you reckon there was like a somewhat of a call that, you know, because one of the ducks did just turn its head. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is like, I feel like we might have not got it exactly, but they know what we're saying, you know? And this is why... I get fired from places. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was a genuine, you know, you know when like your mind just goes, whoa, man. <laughs> that was uh, that was one of those um, UFO moments. Beautiful. You know? That's great. So, you know, I think... that could be maybe the next podcast. Can, un- can animals understand us if we talk slightly like them? <laughs> well, I mean, that is as good a place to end as any. Um Oh, on that, cool, on that cool, cool. I, feel, <laughs> I feel like there's been about, I feel like there was at least a few questions more and it's like, okay, this is where we've come to. <laughs> I think we should wrap it up here. <laughs> well, we've been going for like an hour, 45 minutes. So oh, it's my bet. That's my best yet. Yeah. 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 Um, it's usually about an hour 30. Mm, I'm, that, I'm, that, I'm in that kind of mark. But... I thought it was like 10 minutes. No. No, you're thinking of uh, you're thinking of Aaron Ford. Oh, uh, okay. Not uh, Aaron Eucalyptus Ford and Andes the Great. No, sorry. The name suggests longevity. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what to along. do now, whether to put because I always put in brackets the name of the person in the title. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> if I put Master Aaron Ford and uh, Eucalyptus Ford and Andes the Great, there won't be any room for the actual subject of Just the AKA. Podcast. Just AKA. Or just actually just have that. I feel like you're going to get more traction with just the name. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. like if it just said Johnny Depp, then that itself would sell it. Yeah. Okay. Imagine. Imagine just said Johnny Depp, boom. Yeah. That would all, that's all sort I need. Of, uh, Maybe I yeah. should just put that anyway, just to get some more. Maybe, lessons. yeah. Maybe just add, just, say, <laughs> just Dan Brown in conversation with Johnny Depp. <laughs> This is Aaron Eucalyptus Fortinandez the Great. <laughs> we all know this. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm happy to sort is of... Is that all you need from me? Is that am I... Uh... <laughs> I was just... The whole <laughs> am I released time... from my bounds? <laughs> <laughs> the whole time I was just waiting for a good duck story. So, yeah, we got we got that at the end. Got there in the end. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. So thank you very much. Quacking, uh, quacking them out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, thank Sweet. you very much, Aaron. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Dan J. Brown. No worries. Is there any... Sorry. Dan J. Brown. <laughs> Dan J. Brown. Uh, Brown. Any other... Danger. Anything, anywhere you want to sign off this particular episode? It's... It's been an experience. It's always, always is with you. Yeah. Uh, it's an experience. You are an experience, I think. You're... You know, you're 
you are a human being, obviously. Yeah. It's pure form. Mm -hmm. But you're an experience, Dan Brown. Thank you. It comes in many forms. And uh, and that many shapes and sizes, <laughs> many ridges. And, um, and I'll fire that non compliment right back at you. It was a compliment. It's sort of like it's sort of like when you've seen some, like someone's shown you you've shown someone a video that you just made and spent so much time on, and they go, "Yeah, that was interesting." <laughs> <laughs> okay, just say yeah. Just say it's the worst thing you've ever seen. I'd rather that than that I'd rather that. I'd rather that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, it was genuinely it was very uh, it was very nice to speak to you. On a uh, on a on a bit more of an indoor, it's quite nice as well, actually. Like just to just to chat for this particular length of time, considering you know everyone needs to have a little little someone to chat to, mm. yeah. especially in these darker times. Yeah. So it's nice, man. Yeah, it's been. Uh, I wish you all the best, and all you. the good gibbons. Lovely. For the future. And a merry Christmas to all. Yes. And there, I shall press the red button. To end this podcast. Farewell. Goodbye.